Hi, listeners. Welcome to the She Speaks Life podcast, a weekly encouragement where we share our God stories. I'm your host, Jamie Elizabeth, and I am so glad you are spending time with us today to listen. Today, I have with me Rachel Baker. She is the author of the fantastic Bible study guide called Deconstructed and is a beautiful writer for Journey and Crosswalk. I love Rachel's heart for women to grow and understand God's word and experience God's redeeming power in our lives. We are going to talk about how God doesn't waste anything, even though we may feel like it is sometimes, and how he uses everything for his glory. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. Thanks for having me, Jamie. I'm so excited to be with you today. Yes. I mean, I'm so interested in your story, but first I know you are a pastor's wife, right? Yes, I am. Sure am. Share a little bit about your kids, how many kids you have, where you live, and uh, then we're going to go into your story about where you saw God reveal himself to you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my husband and I are doing ministry in northern Nevada, just kind of on the Nevada-California um, border, just down the hill from Lake Tahoe, which is pretty incredible. We have two kids, a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old, and they're both wild and spicy children. And um, we have three dogs, two very, very furry dogs, and they're our little, you know, little companions. And yeah, so we've, we, just like you, we're from Southern California and have had this kind of wild ministry trajectory. So we started ministry in Colorado, and then we ended up back in SoCal for a season at Saddleback Church, and then ended up being called out to do ministry in Salt Lake City for three years, which was incredible. And now here we are um, almost into year three here in Northern Nevada. And it kind of cracks me up because when my husband asked me if I would consider moving to Nevada, being a Southern California girl, all I could think about was desert, desert, desert. And I was like, absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. I need trees and water and you know, like air. And so, you know, so he goes, well, will you pray about it? So now we live in Nevada. But um, the great surprise was that where we live is actually right up against the forest. And so the trees and Lake Tahoe, it's all right there. So what a blessing God totally provided, even though I didn't think, I didn't even know there were trees in Nevada. So it was a shocker. Oh, so cool. God surprised you. I know. We have a couple things in common. I used to go to Saddleback Church also in California, and we both know San Clemente very well. I grew up there, and your grandmother lived there. And Mm -hmm. so uh, finding that out as we chatted before we came on here, that was amazing to see that connection. And also having that similarity in the move and how mine was Texas and all I could think of was tumbleweeds and (laughs) the the wild west and I'm going um not where a beach girl belongs thank you God but no (laughs) he moves Uh, us where he wants us right he moves us where he wants us (laughs) yeah that's right and he surprises us with 
beautiful things. And I love the lakes here and the wildflowers, just like you saw the trees and little treasures, I'm sure that you see everywhere that God is giving you, even though you're not next to the beach. So right, exactly. That's exactly what we did. He does. We have um, deer that took up residency in our neighborhood. So just out our backyard, we have a park. And there, at on any given day, there will be a handful of deer to a whole herd of deer just hanging out back there. And I'm like, really, God? Like, how cool is that? That I get to look out, and my children get to look out of the backyard and see wildlife just right. Yeah. And it is all good, except for the one time there was a bear in our neighbor's tree, and then I was not thrilled about that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No bears. Bears are a little scary. Deer that's beautiful. You know, that's safe. You feel okay. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Oh, well, I am so interested to hear your story on uh, your experience with you had a loss of your father and your brother and how you just saw God's experience, God's redeeming power through the broken areas of your life. So I really love it if you can share with us your journey and how you can encourage us along the way with what you learned. Yeah. So um, I just want to start by saying that, you know, God is so faithful and um, he doesn't waste anything. There's nothing. And I can look back at my life from the wreckage of the aftermath of losing my dad and brother when I was just um, 12 years old, almost 13, and how that affected my family and my mom and what that did to us and seeing, you know, understanding grief and all of, and trauma and all of those things, but then also seeing how God can redeem all of the broken parts of our lives. And, and so that's, that's kind of my story in a nutshell. And I'll give, I'll get into like the details, of course, but I just, I really Mm -hmm. want anyone who's listening to know, no matter where you are, you're never too far from God's redemption. And you'll know that when you hear my story, because you'll go, okay, if God, if God reconciled that girl, then um, he can reconcile anyone. So, um, yeah. And you know what? We need to hear that. You know, we need to hear how far somebody was in like a pit and how God just rescued us out. And it's so encouraging. It builds your faith. You get to know God's character through other people's story, through your story. So we would love to hear all about it. Yeah. So when, um, so again, like I said, I grew up in Southern California and my parents, my mom and dad were co-owners of this, um, dive kind of adventure, scuba diving adventure business. So they're both writers, which is probably why I'm also a writer. Um, yes, but fantastic they, one. It, oh, thank you. Oh my gosh. They, they were yeah. good writers. My mom is quite the writer and my dad was an incredible writer as well. And 
So they owned the Scooby Company, and they wrote these books called Dive Boat Magazine, and they owned a magazine called Dive Boat Magazine, and then would write all of these scuba diving, like, explorer books um, for that industry. And July 2nd, I think it was 1996, my dad and older brother went out on a dive expedition, and through a series of events uh, unfolding, the outcome was that my brother ended up under the water very deep with not enough air to get back. And so him and his Mm. dive partner started sharing air and um, trying to surface and didn't make it. And um, Mm. I think the details are, it gets a little fuzzy, but his dive partner shot up and was for all intents and purposes at that time dead. And he was revived um, and had to go through mm-hmm. decompression and all of these things. But my dad, who had just come up from a dive, gathered his gear and went down. And so um, at the end of the unfolding of all of these events, they found my dad and brother at the bottom, just hands, hands outreached mm-hmm. towards each other. Um, and so like, obviously that mm-hmm. is a huge, like, that that's a defining moment in my life and the lives of my siblings Mm. and my whole family, right? Our whole family was affected by this. And, um, what's incredible is my dad's legacy though. So he, he was a first generation to my knowledge, first generation believer and, um, him and my Mm -hmm. mom ministered to people through their dive boat business, through their writing. And so that just reminds Mm -hmm. me that no matter where we are vocationally or in our life, God is going to put people into our lives that we can minister to. Whether you are a pastor or you're a surf instructor or, you know, whatever your job is, um, Mm -hmm. you can minister to people. And so at my dad's memorial, I can't even remember how many it was, uh, we booked out this massive church in Glendora and it was standing room room only. And the stories that people told about him and the, Mm -hmm. the number of people that were saved because of his ministry was just incredible. And that that's not lost on me. That's something I'll never forget. Uh, But it took me a long time Mm -hmm. to remember that part of his legacy because for years after that, I was honestly really, really angry with God. Just, Mm -hmm. I remember as a teenager and in my early twenties, kind of taking on this attitude of, you know, I believe there is a God, but I, I hate him. Like, look what he did. He took my dad, he took my brother and I just, I hate him. Mm -hmm. And so I allowed myself to I I never stopped believing, but I, there was no, like, I didn't feel love towards God. I just felt resentment and anger and like, why didn't you protect us? And so that really played out obviously Mm -hmm. in really negative ways in my life as a teenager. I tried to cover up my pain with a lot of heavy drinking and a lot of boyfriends and just really walking down a path that was Mm -hmm. very dangerous. And looking back on it, I sometimes I'm like, I'm like, how did I not end up dead? Uh, the situations right. that I allowed myself to be in were mm-hmm. so risky and so dangerous. And it's so clear as I look back, I'm like, you just held me, you held on to me. And it's so obvious to me. Um, I'm like, you've, you've watched out for me, not just me, my whole family, you've been with us, mm-hmm. whether or not we acknowledge you is one thing, but you've been with us. That's undeniable. And so it took uh, until I was 
I think 21 in college. And I, you know, was on this trajectory of being a very type A personality, high, getting it done, like getting great grades, working full time through college, and having this like ethic of excellence in what I was doing in school and my work life. But then in my personal life, I was a complete train wreck. And so my junior year of college, I decided I was going to go do a year of study abroad in the south of France. Mm -hmm. So I get all the way to the south of France. Um, I live in this little flat in this town called Aix-en-Provence. And as it turns out, my flatmate above me is this guy, Brian from San Diego. And he (laughs) um, invites me. He says, hey, I found this English-speaking church. Would you like to come? And I was like, "Um, okay. You know, like kind of. I don't even know why I said okay. I wasn't <laughs> yeah. I wasn't in a good place with God and yet I said okay. And mm-hmm. you know so there's the power of the invite, right? Just keep inviting right. your friends, right? Yeah. Um right. and so I went to church with him and um a couple other students who were on study abroad that year and it turned out that the pastor and his wife were these like cool, you know, young surfer kids from Biola. And, and, you know, they were just really like, Hey, welcome, come on in, you know? And there was never like an expectation. Hey, welcome. We expect your life to look like this. It was, Hey, welcome. And you are invited into this space with us. And we pretty much have gathered that you're a train wreck. It wasn't it's like come as you are. Yeah, it know? was. It was and very that's how much Jesus that. was. Yeah, like hey, yeah. I see you. You know, as he says to the woman at the yeah. well, like I see you. I know you're living right. with a guy that's not even your husband right now, and you've been married X yeah. amount of times. Like, and and it really was that. Like it was, I see you, but no, no condemnation. Just I see you, and we're going to invite you in. And that was a really powerful moment in my life. Just being included where for so long I felt like I can't be in this space. Like if I, if I darken the doorsteps of a church or I claim Christianity, you know, I'm going to be struck down. Yeah. Right. And that's just not God's heart for us. That's just not the way he works. So that it's not an overnight thing either. Right. Like I don't know any, I know very few people. Okay. I shouldn't say I don't know any, because I do know a few people who have had like that overnight, incredible conversion transformation story. I was one thing on Monday and I'm something completely different on Tuesday. But right. um, for me, it's it was years and years. I mean, and I'm not done. None of us are. But the spiritual formation that mm-hmm. started taking place because of those relationships when I was in college. Mm-hmm. And I believe because of the relationships of Uh, The people that were in the church that I grew up in, who were praying for my family and praying for me, like none of that was wasted. God used all of that. So that was kind of like the beginning of God saying, hey, I'm I'm here and I'm drawing you to me. Uh, Will you, will you come to me? Um, Because I think Mm. at the end of the day, that's, that's the question you know, are you going to give me your life? Are you going to surrender what you think your life is supposed to look like? Are you going to surrender your pain and your grief and let me carry that for you? Are you going to keep hanging on to that? It's a process, right? Like, 
It sure is. I mean, it was gradual for me. I didn't have that overnight transformation. It came over years and it was years of letting go. Okay, take it back. Let it go. Take it back. And, you know, there was healing involved. I mean, it was a gradual process, but I love how we always say, you know, God is so gentle with Mm. how he works and he really does. And I love how he used those pastors to meet you right where you were and to say, you know, hey, come on in with your baggage and everything. We just want to show you Jesus's love. And that's what opened your heart back up to receiving it. And I just love that that is exactly how Jesus is. And I love that he can use us as the vessels to show his love to others. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, I think about parenting, right? We're parents and understanding our children's personalities, understanding how if I parent, I can't parent my son the same way I parent my daughter. They're unique individuals and require unique attention. And the same applies to each of us as believers and those who are God is working on. There are some of us who God just needs to have like a come, you know, that come to Jesus reckoning moment where it's like, no, I'm going to rip your life out from underneath you because I want you that bad. Um, and, right, you know, right. you look yeah. at those biblical examples of like Paul and, you know, like what God can do, how we can have that transformative moment. And some of us need that. We need, like, I think about my husband's spiritual journey and his, mm-hmm. his coming to faith. He has a very different background. He grew up an atheist, whereas I did grow up in the church and his mm-hmm. encounters with Jesus look very different than mine. His were kind of a slap across the face, whereas mine were very gentle. Like daughter, I, you are my beloved. Come, come to me. I'm your Abba. And when, um, Mm -hmm. when that was the experience, it softened all of those like sharp parts in my heart and started Mm -hmm. breaking down walls. And so out of that, I came home from my year in France and it was not a like, Oh, my life has changed and this is what I look like now. It was such a slow process and it required the stripping away of friendships that I had built all through college. My college boyfriend who was no good to me and no good for me. And like all of these things like had to be stripped and cleaned away. And, you know, I think about that, um, you know, if I'm looking at biblical imagery, like the cutting of the vines and the pruning and, you know, I needed Mm -hmm. so much pruning because I was carrying things from my previous life that I wanted to bring into my life with God. And he's like, there's no room for that here. Um, so we're going to, we're going to prune that now. And I mean, how lonely that was, that was a painful, I think about that year after I got home, it was painful. It was like a giant breakup Mm -hmm. and, um, loss of friendship and feeling really quiet, but in that quietness, what I now understand God was doing was he was molding and working on me. And I started to um, cling to relationships in the little church I started going to and get into the word and believe that God is exactly who he says he is, believe that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. And that was a huge transformation. Again, not an overnight transformation, but a huge transformation. And then the next year I met my who would then be husband. And it kind of cracked me up because 
Um, I had already graduated from college. I was working as a an editor for a magazine, and I'm like, oh, you know, I know my trajectory. I had a really clear plan for my life. Again, Rachel taking the mm-hmm. reins and being in charge of all the things. And right then, that was when the economy tanked. And so I found myself without a job, um, you know, not having any idea what was next. And mm-hmm. my boyfriend, then fiance, soon to be husband, got a call from a church in Colorado. And he was a Bible college student, but I never anticipated that he would be a pastor. I just thought he would go straight from his undergrad into his master's and work in education because he really, he does have the heart of a teacher. And so I thought, oh, for sure. Like he's going to end up being a college professor. He's going to teach and, you know, we'll probably just have a quiet little life here in Southern California. It's going to be lovely. And yeah. God was like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'll have, figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I did. I really was like, you know, 2.5 yeah, car, know. Or 2.5 children, uh, matching Volvos, white picket fence, you know, like it'll be so, yeah, you know, I the know. suburban dream. I had <laughs> I had that too in Southern California <laughs> and God came in and, and he's like, yeah, nope. no, that's not the plan. And so, um, right. he ends up what, like a week before we got married, getting a job offer to be a youth pastor at this, um, lovely, amazing church up in Northern Colorado that I just have nothing but affection for. And, mm-hmm. um, That was the next like big, you know, I think about the trauma of losing my dad and my brother as one like defining line in my life. Him taking Mm -hmm. that job offer is certainly another defining line in my life because here all of a sudden I'm a pastor's wife. And while God has been working on undoing the wreckage and undoing the damage and, you know, putting people into my lives that that could speak over me and affirm me. I hadn't found my voice in ministry. I didn't even think I belonged in ministry at all. Um, I still was struggling to find a voice because, mm-hmm. you know, I while I knew that God had forgiven me, I didn't necessarily believe that the people in the church would. Um, and so I was mm-hmm. kind of living afraid, yeah. living scared. Like, if only yeah. you knew how bad it really was, you would reject me and you would, um, reject my husband. And that was a lie that I wholeheartedly believed. And it completely debilitated me for three years. It took me Mm -hmm. out of the game. And now I can look back and go, that was straight up Satan trying to keep me quiet and, um, not Mm -hmm. share my story because, Come to find out how many other women have similar experiences, men and women who, who've experienced trauma and walked through these seasons of their lives that were just so broken and God redeems. Right. But if we are still so bound in our own guilt and shame that we can't speak freedom over those moments in our life, then we can't yeah. bring freedom to other people who are still held up in bondage. Yeah. And I think that is common in ministry. Like when you're in leadership to keep the, those dark times in your life, hush, hush. And because the enemy wants you to think, Ooh, I got to have it all together. I'm in leadership. I'm in ministry. And especially having a husband who's a pastor and you're feeling it's a lie, but you feel like you got to protect his 
reputation, you know? And so I totally get that. And it definitely prevents you from using your gifts that you have from God for women and uh, just for you to, all he wants to do, the enemy wants us to shrink back and, you know, be silent, like you were saying. Right. And in that silence, that's where I really feel like Satan does his best work in isolation, right? Like when we are in isolation, um, and that is why anyone I talk to, I'm always like, you got to plug into your local church. Like it doesn't need to be a big church. It doesn't need to be like, you know, what, whatever denomination that you're, that works for you, like get, just get plugged in, whether it's a small group or a home church or, you know, or a big church, like, you know, because we're all so unique in our personalities, find a place that feels like home to you and mm-hmm. be there. Go to that place and get fed by the community, the body of Christ. Because the reality is, is that yeah. all of us are super messy. I don't know a single Christian who doesn't have a mess behind, you know, the veneer of a smile and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. It's like, no, we have mm-hmm. messy lives in this this experience, this side of heaven, because we are living and walking out our lives, this journey in a broken world. Like every single day we are going to fight against sin. Like it's not, Ooh, God redeemed me. God rescued me. And Oh, now I don't struggle with sin. Well, that's not true. That's, that's totally a lie. You know, I struggle with anger. I, I get triggered. I revert to old attitudes and, you know, have to bring Mm -hmm. that back to God constantly, constantly. And that's why I said, um, when we started chatting, like God's never done with us, like for as long as we're drawing breath, this side of eternity, God's working on us. He's still molding us. Um, Mm -hmm. and our story isn't done and he can use all the minutia, all the darkness of our story to magnify his greatness. And so, yeah. So anyways, long story short, we ended up doing ministry for three years in Salt Lake City. And I have to say that is where I found my voice because I have, for as long as I can remember, I've always had this little like rebellious nature. Tell me I can't do something. Please, someone yeah. tell me, tell me I'm not smart enough for that. But, or tell me that I don't have the capability. Please challenge yeah. me in that way. And I will surprise you. Uh, right, right. That's just like my rebellious, like, tell mm-hmm. me I'm dumb. I, I got this, like, or I can't learn a foreign language or whatever. And I think, you yeah. know, I, as a little girl, I played into that, like, oh, blonde, um, valley girl, like, and I really, in some ways, I believed that about myself. I believed mm-hmm. I was stupid. I believed that, um, all I was good for was, you know, being a cute little girl. And that was pretty much it. And that's just garbage. Like that's a whole that's right. a garbage yeah. perspective to live your life from. And yeah. when I ended up in Salt Lake City with my husband and the ministry that we did there, I realized I'm like, my, my voice came to life there because I realized like, whoa, we are walking people out of a cult and they're like, and the trajectory is like cult, atheism, agnosticism, deism. Maybe there's a God, but I don't know. And just having that same perspective of the pastors who ministered to my heart all those years prior, like, hey, we're just going to walk with you. 
Just come mm-hmm. as you are. It's okay that you're feeling really cynical. You're not sure about this thing. Just come. Like we don't expect anything of you, but just be here. That's where the book Deconstructed was written and why it was written um, because I just had a heart for women who felt like they couldn't overwhelmed or felt like they couldn't read the Bible critically because I'd never been taught to read the Bible critically. And I was like, you know what? Me too. Um, let's do this together. Let's, let's tackle some of these bigger issues together. And so we did Mm. that in a small group setting and that's just, that was kind of, um, how God took me from one place in my life to a completely different place. And I love when people are like, wow, you're really different now. And I'm like, thanks. That's, that's the point. That's, that's my hope. I'm glad you see that in me. (laughs) So yeah, that's, uh, Rachel in a nutshell. Yeah, well, I love that you have a heart to teach women about the Bible because unfortunately, I forget the per- percentage, but there is a lot of women that don't read their Bible. And if we can find a way to simplify it, like you have done in your study guide, then I think people will be more, have a desire to go to the Bible and, you know, read it and learn and get taught by the Holy Spirit. And because it's just like, you, you know, it's so essential. It's so important in our daily walk to know what the word says and to know God's character. And then therefore we know who we are and our identity. And then we can start that journey of trusting in God and surrendering. And I couldn't help but think of the Samaritan woman at the well and how she dropped her buckets of water to go and tell the people in the village who Jesus is and what Jesus did for her. And that's exactly what I feel like you did. You just dropped your baggage, your shame, your guilt. And you finally realized that was just a lie from the enemy. Right. And I'm no longer going to receive that. And I want to live this, you know, transformed renewal of my mind of who I really am in Christ. And then it was like, you went and told like you go out there, you have a voice and you made a Bible study guide for other women And you were ready to share what God has done in your life. I just love that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I do feel the weight of responsibility. And that's probably without reading too much into that story of the woman at the well. But I imagine that would be like out of um, when you have freedom, when you're given freedom, like you want freedom for everyone else, too. Like not enough to just be free on your own. You're like, wait, 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 I'm free now. And I see my sister over there in bondage and Mm -hmm. that's not going to work for me. So I have like a high justice personality. And, um, and so when I see like someone else believing lies, like I, I don't have a critical enough mind to, read the Bible without tons of additional commentary, or I need, I need to read the Bible according to this Bible teacher who, you know, there's some amazing female Bible teachers that I love listening to and going through their studies, but Hey, what about just sitting and reading it critically on our own and, um, Mm -hmm. letting ourselves just receive that? Because the reality is, um, do you believe that it is the living word? Because if you believe that it is the living word, this is alive and can transform our lives, 
Well, yeah, Bible studies written by other authors, that's fantastic. And you'll probably get a lot out of it, but spending the time in the word that is alive and living can transform your heart, can transform your spirit, the way that you respond to other people and the things that you believe about yourself. And, um, you know, I wrote Deconstructed Mm -hmm. for several reasons, but I also wanted us to understand like, hey, are there things that we've been carrying into our faith that maybe we're cultural, maybe we've learned that in church, but it's not actually even biblical, um, or we thought it was biblical, but mm-hmm. maybe we should sit down and critically look at this and explore if it, if it is or if it isn't, um, rather than just accepting mm-hmm. things that we've been told our whole lives. Um, and I think that does that develops our faith as well. It helps us get down into the kind of the minutia of the text and go, wait, 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 no. That the Bible never says that. Why or why am I claiming this prophetic statement over my life? That was actually a statement for the Israelites, and it actually has nothing to do with me. Like it's a good life lesson, but it's not a prophecy over my life. Um, and understanding different forms of literature helps us do that. So that's why I wanted women to take to use the deconstructed materials and go, okay, I can strip this back. Like I can do this. This is simple and it doesn't require, you know, a seminary degree or hours and hours of study. It just requires a little bit of patience on my own part and allowing Mm -hmm. myself to receive the word rather than getting overwhelmed or sidetracked. Yeah. I think that's so good. I mean, I find myself, I'll be in a Bible study with a small group, but then, and that's like daily homework. And then I feel like I need my own time with God, even though the Bible study, I'm pulling things, the Holy Spirit speaking to me through the scriptures that I'm looking up that's pertaining to the Bible study. But I also need that alone time of reading the Bible you know, that's not associated with the Bible study and writing in my journal. I'm a big journaler and I love just writing down my prayers and thoughts and even asking God, speak to me, Lord. I want to hear you and writing down what I think he's saying to me. Yeah. And it's just such a sweet time of worship. But I noticed, you know, that is a good chunk of time when I'm in the season of doing a Bible study and it's usually the fall and springtime. So I'm heavy loaded and not every time I put aside that alone time with my journal, but I know when I do, I am so filled up to the brim and overflowing and just able to develop that fruit of the spirit to take me throughout my day. And, you know, because we need it each day. It's just not a one and done. And we need his truth uh, filling us up each and every day. And I love how God, you can see in hindsight, how God, how he connected the dots throughout your life. And that hindsight is just so beautiful when, you know, years have gone by and you look back at, oh gosh, if that dot was missing, then I wouldn't have been at that dot and so on and right. so forth. It's the, it's the beauty of seeing, like seeing how he weaves things together. And um, some girlfriends and I were kind of talking about like when we enter into eternity, because um, we had some funny experiences, kind of like you and I talking about, wow, you know, our paths, you know, San Clemente, like SoCal, yeah. like, oh my goodness. Um, 
And I have a friend uh, at our church who actually was very active as a volunteer at the church that my husband and I went to when we were engaged. And and now her, we had never met there though. And it turned out that she lived literally up the street from me when I lived in Newport Beach. She was one block over. And mm-hmm. I walked by her house every, every single day walking my dog, but we had never met. And I'm like, okay, God, on the other side of eternity, will you turn the tapestry over so I can see how you've woven relationships and woven people oh, and experiences yeah. and the people who are praying for me? Can you show me like the, and I'm sure it'll look like, you know, like the back of a tapestry, like a big mess. But yeah. go, hey, you see this thread? Like this, this is the person who started praying for you when your mom was pregnant with you. And she, that person, mm. you know, and I'm like, because I know, like, I know that God is doing that through other people. And it Mm -hmm. is such a good reminder to be doing that for our sisters in Christ and our Mm -hmm. friends and our family and to stay faithful in prayer and to stand Mm -hmm. in the gap for them and petition on their behalf. And I I just think about those things and I'm like, it's going to be really rad when I get to see the other side of the tapestry. I'm kind of excited for that. That's a great perspective. I love that. Okay. What's a takeaway that you can speak life over the listeners today? Um, I think one, remembering the value of your story. I think our stories really matter in our lives have purpose and there's not like God orchestrated that we be alive right now in this time and space. And there's a reason for that. And so I would just love for whoever listens to this to know, hey, your story, what you've walked through and experienced, it matters. And um, if God is working on you and if God has broken chains or brought freedom in your life, share that with other people because more often than not, your story is going to bring freedom or be life-giving to someone else. And so often we want to shy away from that. I don't mean like, oh, you have to write a blog post or you need a platform, but it's like, hey, having coffee with a friend and saying, oh yeah, no, like in my early marriage, we really, really struggled and God worked in this area of my life and this is the outcome. And those types of things really help other people as we're walking along in life as well. So I think that's like the most important, but then if I'm allowed to do two takeaways, um, I yeah want to remind you to take away number two, um, that you are (laughs) never too far from God. You are never, you're Mm -hmm. never too far away. He will always come for you. All you have to do is say, Hey God, I'm here. That's really, it's as simple as that. Um, he is always receiving Mm -hmm. and always wanting to call his children back to him. And that's what we are. So when we can remember that and humble ourselves to go, okay, Lord, you take the reins here. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of change and transformation on the other side of that, handing our control over to him. So yeah, takeaway number two. There sure is. That is beautiful. So true. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on here. Where can the listeners connect with you? Okay, let's see. I spend a lot of time, over, more than I should, over on the gram. Um, <laughs> so, you, uh, yeah. um, so you can come hang out with me on, at mm-hmm. Hello Rachel Baker. <laughs> 
Um, on Instagram, I do have a website. I recommend that you find it through the links on my Instagram because it's my, it's rachelsheriebaker.com. And Cherie is French. And so it's C-H-E-R-I-E. Why <laughs> I threw that into my URL? I don't know, but nobody can find it when they type me up. Um, so, <laughs> so just go to Instagram and we can hang out there. Um, and that's pretty much it. So awesome. Well, you're a beautiful writer and can't wait for others to experience your deconstructed Bible guide for us. And we thank you. I thank you for coming on here and sharing your story with us. My pleasure. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you so much for listening today. I trust that God has encouraged you through this message. For more information on this ministry and to access free downloads, please visit my website at jamieelizabeth.com and sign up. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Jamie Elizabeth She Speaks Life. That's J-A-Y-M-E Elizabeth She Speaks Life. Until next time, my friends, I pray God reveals himself through your own life story.